Our gospel reading today is Luke chapter 18, beginning to read at verse 9 through verse 14. Hear these words. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee standing by himself was praying thus, God, I thank you I'm not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector standing far off would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled but all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. You can read a book alone. You can bake a pie alone. You can visit a museum alone. You can watch a movie alone. You can send a text message alone. You can sing to the top of your voice alone. But we cannot follow Jesus Christ alone. We cannot experience the good news of the church alone. We cannot live in relation to God and to one another alone. And this is why God gives us community, I believe, The church as a community devoted to your and my being strong in the faith in its practice is a gift from God. The church as a community devoted to our being transformed as disciples of Jesus Christ in the ministry of the church, this is a gift from God. And we all need God for this to happen, and we all need one another. Now, sometimes we don't think we need God, and we don't think we need one another, but we do. When we all lose sight of the mission that is God's, when we lose sight of the mission that is ours, when we forget our place in this congregation's ministry, when we get tied up with the worries and the riches and the pleasures of life, according to one of Jesus' other parables, we may develop what some people call an attitude. My uh, daughter, Caroline, has a friend, and this is also a family friend, who who has an expression, you're throwing a tood. You ever hear someone saying that uh, you or I are throwing a tood? Well, she's talking about someone with an attitude, somehow acting contrary to our personality or to our character. We know what this is. We're, we're standing in the kitchen of our home and dinner is bring, being prepared and there's someone in the family circle who does not want to do something else and, and someone does not want to cooperate and this person says something that is quick and contrary. She's throwing a tood. 
Or perhaps we're sitting in the middle of a a meeting of ministry downtown and we're working together to agree on some projects and there is a key contributor there who suddenly does not want to cooperate with other people and she says something that betrays thoughts, betrays something that everyone else cannot understand. She throws a tood. Well, truth be told, I think some of the time on our best and worst days, all of us in this room throw tudes. Sometimes all of us lose perspective and not, no longer see things as we should. And so here on World Communion Sunday, you and I remember that we are here to know Christ and to make Christ known in the city and in the world. Here on World Communion Sunday, you and I are being reminded that we are here to be shaped as God's faithful people in mission. Here on on World Communion Sunday, we are being reminded that we are here to be transformed and changed, not a small task for anyone anywhere. And we need God, and we need one another in this enterprise In in fact, this is so great and so important and so real. We cannot do this alone. Even on some days, we think or we wish we could. For some time, I've been drawn to this parable from Luke chapter 18. Jesus tells about two worshipers appropriate. You and I are in worship. We're doing this just now. And here we are reading about people who are in worship. And they go up to the temple to pray, and one is a Pharisee. And Josephus, the Jewish historian, has written that the most accurate interpreters of the laws were Pharisees, and they hold that to act rightly or otherwise rest indeed, for the most part, with men, with people who seek to obey, according to Josephus. Pharisees, of course, were scrupulous in matters of law and behavior, and they were often regarded as, as rather wise individuals in the community of faith. The other worshiper was a tax collector. Tax collectors, according to one scholar, paid a stipulated sum in advance for the right to collect the tolls in a certain locality, and then they tried to make a profit on the transaction. Of course, this didn't make them just the most popular of people. They were not on most influential lists by anybody's understanding because of their behavior. Well, in this, prayer, in this parable, we hear the prayers of two different people. Undoubtedly, this morning, there are prayers coming out from every quarter in this sanctuary. As we listen to Luke 18 and Jesus' parable, we hear the prayers of two people specifically. And the Pharisee is confident and strong. He stands by himself. Somehow, that just, we, we can see him standing there in the temple. He thanks God he's not like others. And he proceeds to name what he believes is a rather miserable group. And he includes the tax collector over there. He's proud of his behavior. He's doing well. Some people might say he wins the gold star. When Jesus describes the the tax collector, the detail we're given suggests that he is affected There is inferior behavior that he worries about. If the Pharisee is confident, the tax collector is ashamed. His head is bowed, painfully aware of his shortcomings, will not even look up at all. 
Weary of himself, he beats his breast with his fist and he prays, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Now here's a snapshot of two different characters and we are given an image of two people beside one another. And maybe to the surprise of the first people that ever heard this parable, Jesus commends the tax collector. He's declared to be acceptable by God, while the other is not. And unlike most parables, Jesus offers here a moral. He offers a punchline, a final word. Personal arrogance results in ultimate humiliation, while individual humility is honored and rewarded. Now, one scholar explains about this parable that it's really two-sided. To hear it as a warning against pride or self-sufficiency or relationship with God based on works is to miss the other side of the parable, which connects the the Pharisee's posture before God with his contempt for the tax collector. And, And to miss this is to imitate the Pharisee's blindness, that the nature of grace is paradoxical. It can be received only by those who have learned empathy for others. That is to say, the Pharisee had enough religion to be virtuous, but not enough to be humble. And as a result, his religion drove him away from the tax collector rather than toward him. Any pastor will know that most every congregation is full of tax collectors and Pharisees. In every Presbyterian church I've ever been in, I hear prayers. I I see prayers. I'm part of prayers like this all the time. And sometimes I'm like the Pharisee and sometimes I'm like the tax collector. One cannot make easy assumptions about Jesus' ministry and ours, but it seems that sometimes we all get tripped up by a a failure of perspective, by the ability to forget the grace of God, the ability to hear the truth of God. And in reality, we need perspective and grace. We need truth and grace in all their forms. We need the grace of God And we need friends who care. We need the truth of God about ourselves and from the one to whom we belong. Without grace, life is rules and law and personal ambition and achievement. Without truth, there is nothing to hold us together. Grace without truth is sentimental. Truth without grace is severe. And God keeps making the church a fellowship of grace and truth. I think they're here in our lessons today, in both readings. And if you miss anything I'm saying this morning, understand this, that that we need God's grace and truth to live and do ministry, and we need one another's grace and truth in order to live and do ministry together. We can't live and do ministry alone. We need God's grace. We need people who endure, who are patient and understanding, who help shape our identity. Will Willimon, the former chaplain at Duke Chapel in Durham, tells the story of worshiping with a black congregation during the civil rights struggle. He and others like him, white students who had come from schools in the north, grew impatient with services of worship that seemed to go on forever. And so after a while, they said, enough worship. They said, let's get out of here. Let's go on with the real thing. Hold on just a minute, said the African-American hosts. We have been at this longer than you have. 
when you go out there and they let the dogs loose and open up the fire hoses. You need to know who you are and whose you are. You need to know that you are God's child and that you're walking with Jesus. You and I may not need to worry about dogs and fire hoses, but we need friends and brothers and sisters who can see through our arrogance, who care enough to see through our bad behavior, and this is called grace. But we also need truth. We need to be reformed as God's faithful people. We need God's grace in friends who hang with us, God's grace in God's forgiveness, but we also need truth about ourselves and and the one who is truth. Recently, I, I read another's take on scriptural truth as explained by a teacher of seminary students. And she wrote these words. The more widely I read the Bible, the less I understand those who held it up as a primer on family values. I could not find one single healthy family in it unless I counted Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, but even they were a blended family who suffered periods of estrangement. Moses and Paul were murderers. Jacob was a swindler. King David was an adulterer. And Judith used sex to lure Holofernes to his death. Is this really a book we want our children to be reading? Contrary to popular opinion, the Bible is not about God-fearing men and women who made the world a better place. Instead, it's a book about real people, real people who lie, cheat, and steal, and kill just about as often as they love, heal, and give birth. And on the whole, I believe it is much safer to approach the Bible as a book about a moral God than as a book about moral human beings. She writes, our arrogance is stunning, but so is God's loving kindness. We may challenge Scripture all we like. We will inevitably dismiss great chunks of it, but it will not go away. And although there are human fingerprints all over it, it remains God's excellent tool for reminding us we are not God, just God's beloved people sustained by God's Word. We need grace, but we also need truth. We cannot do this alone. We need God, and we need one another. Just this morning in our reading of Psalm 133 in Sunday school, we were being reminded how fitting it is that on a day like this, World Communion Sunday, we are reading together Psalm 133. We're aware of other communities of faith that have read these words and been aware in worship of our connections by the grace of God. And the truth of the words heightened our awareness and made us realize that God indeed is here and God is working with us, even now. You see, we can't do this alone. We need God's grace. We need one another's grace. We need God's truth. We need one another's truth. I guess more than anything else as a pastor from uh, a lot of years of ministry, I'm aware that I need God's grace, but I also need the grace of people with, him, with whom I do ministry. I'm aware that not only do I need God's truth, but I need the insights, the observations of elders and deacons and leaders and members with whom we share ministry together. We cannot do this alone. On World Communion Sunday, we recognize 
the grace of God and caring friends, brothers and sisters. We can't do this alone. We need the truth of God, our own truth. And we need the truth that we share with one another. We need the truth that God teaches and reveals to us that enables us to be the church, to be transformed as disciples of Jesus Christ. This is not something we can do alone. And so this morning, let these words heighten in us our recognition of our dependency on God's grace, on seeking God's forgiveness and mercy and help, on being people of prayer who who seek God's forgiveness and direction. Let us be even more aware that we are people of truth. We need God's truth. If you haven't been involved in a Bible study or in a circle or a Sunday school class that opens God's Word to you, then we have those, and we continue doing that. It sustains us as people. We also need one another's truth. We need the honest sharings that these African-American hosts gave to Will Willimon. We can't do this alone. We cannot do what we're doing now alone. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. God of mercy and wisdom, keep reminding us that we cannot live this life alone. Keep reminding us that we cannot live this life apart from you. And enable us to live in harmony with one another and with you to the end that this ministry we share and the lives we live may bring honor to your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.